This is Guys Read Romance, where I, romance author Margot Radcliffe, politely strong-arm my male friends into reading and chatting about romance novels with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. All right, today on the podcast is my old friend Zach. We were college roommates for three years, living with six people in a three-bedroom apartment with one bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just saying it gives me anxiety <laughs> we did it we made it we made it so suffice it to say that zach and i have been close he has cut my hair cleaned up after me more times than any adult person ever should he is a certified outdoorsman has built his own kayak i have never seen him wear pants longer than his knees and is the reason why i know i have to wear two bras to ever ride on a jeep wrangler list i give myself a concussion <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst car I've ever ridden in my life. Even when I see one today, I have sense of memory of being <laughs> being uncomfortable. I, it, truth be told, it could go over anything, but you felt the smallest pebble in the road, truly. <laughs> Tell me about it. Anyway, he is firm in vocal opinions and I think is a romantic at heart, which is what makes him an awesome guest for this podcast. So thank you, Zach for letting me rope you into this, and I'm excited to talk about romance with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Zach, so last week we got day drunk, and now I think we're getting night drunk. So this oh, is you know, a yeah. very college full circle moment. So thanks for coming. First question, tell us what kind of books you typically read. So I typically read science fiction and fantasy, though I, I think I skew more towards science fiction these days, and then... Uh, also some contemporary fiction that my wife feeds my way because she just has great recommendations and she's reading more of that. Uh, And and occasionally nonfiction, usually centering around um, outdoorsy, outdoorsy things like people's terrible tales of surviving awful mountain climbs that I would never attempt because they do a really good job of telling you how terrible they are in those books. But I do like enjoy reading those, especially at the beach. Yeah. So. Sure. Well, it's it's great to read about someone losing fingers to frostbite when you're, you know, sitting in on a sunny beach, you know. That's true. It's true. It makes the beach better, right? So thankful that you're at yeah. the beach. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So it sounds like you've read a lot of different stuff. So why up until this point have you not read romance? So... In high school, I was on this week-long paddling trip, and <laughs> my family was actually there, too. It was like a couple different families. We were all camping. We were paddling this river. And one night, one of my good friends, same age as me, grabbed the book that my grandmother was reading. Now, it was a romance <laughs> novel. I have no idea which one. And mm-hmm. he just starts reading it aloud. Yeah. And it was very, very explicit. And it became really? this... Oh, yeah. Oh, like crazy explicit like wow and you know so i'm saying my buddy and i were probably 17 at the time Uh (laughs) and it just kind of i had no conception of these books so it just said i'm like oh this is what they are they're they're basically written pornography you know it's there's (laughs) i just assumed that all romance novels would be pretty you know graphic sex scenes with story in between and i assumed like pornography that the story would be like an afterthought it would just be right. something connecting to get there and i have never you really been get it i that sucks i mean <laughs> well I, i've never been comfortable with pornography uh-huh. you know viewing you know 
viewable sure. pornography. So I just like it just was seemed as something that I you know I just lumped pornography and romance novels together. Right. Again, I don't know what Mo was reading, my my grandmother, uh -huh. and I don't know what I don't know what the story was in between because right. it was just I'm like wow this was some pretty explicit stuff to hear around a campfire <laughs> with your family <laughs> present. <laughs> To which, you know, my, people were very embarrassed at first, but it became like this epic story in like family history. Remember that time that he grabbed the book, so. Really? I can't, I wish I, I wish you remembered what it was. Cause I would love, cause all of like those kind of 80s and 90s or whatever romance books that I read weren't super explicit. It was like he entered her and then that was it. All so right. Well, I, not, I don't want to say that in New England we're super prude, <laughs> but we are. In fact, one of the things I discovered when we were undergrads together, Tara, is that <laughs> I assumed that in the more like conservative, what seemed like more, like, like there were more Christians, everything south of sure. like, yes. I don't know, the, of New England. That everyone would be very uptight and conservative. But what I discovered uh -huh. almost immediately, like <laughs> my first week, is that New England, even though it has a more liberal political reputation, maybe yeah. because of Puritan heritage, super, super prude. Super uh -huh. prude. Like to this day, I have one of my closest friends. We've known each other for decades at this point. Still yeah. refers to sex as funny business. <laughs> You know, he'll say like, well, there was no funny business. Like, I don't think I've ever actually heard him describe anything in more detail than funny business. Whereas within minutes of meeting people in my undergrad, they would be talking very explicitly about some experience they had and I would be in utter shock. So it could have been, Tara, it could have been uh, he entered her and we could have been all red faced because all of us were from New England on a trip. So it, it might not have been as explicit as I'm making. It seemed very explicit at 17. All right. <laughs> Especially to find out your grandmother was reading it. In fact, she read the book that we're going to discuss because I, she was so, I was so excited to tell her I was doing this and she was so excited, immediately demanded the book list. Um, so she could give me her review. Yeah. Well, I mean, if she needs a, a tailored book list from me, I'm happy to provide it. It wouldn't necessarily be everything that I would give to you, right? But that's funny. And I have to say you win the award for quickest reader by far. Oh. Oh. By far, you were the quickest reader. So thank you. So fair enough. You didn't read romance because your grandma did and you were scared of yes. written pornography. Let's go in. We're going to do the sex scene game first, right? I'm going to read you two passages and you just have to guess which one was written by a man and which one was written by a woman, right? Are you ready? All right. I yes. fear after hearing your campfire story that this will scandalize you. <laughs> I apologize. No, because I've read the second book that, oh, right. that you assigned me. Uh -huh. And I, I feel like I'm prepared. I, was, I want to be prepared for this. Okay. All right. That eased you in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. His hands, murderer's hands, are gripping her forcefully by her hips exactly where it matters, exactly where some demonic set of nerve receptors she has been, till now, only semi-aware of, have waited to be found and used like buttons on a game controller. Impossible for her to know <laughs> if it's him moving or if she's doing it herself. That's the first one. I'm sorry. I know that was supposed to be hotter. I shouldn't have been laughing. No, <laughs> okay. it is funny. It I, is I hope funny. the author doesn't listen to this. I think <laughs> why is this? Why is he laughing? I think that maybe spoiler alert, but they might be dead. 
All right, here we go. <laughs> I was here's the second one. I was slick between my legs and faint sweat clung to my skin. It was the same for him. It beaded at his forehead and glossed his face. We looked so good together. I tightened my hold on the smooth post of the dark wood, bracing myself so hard my muscles strain. Any guesses? Well, I'm going to say video game controller guy, <laughs> uh, wooden post woman. You're right. <gasps> oh, <laughs> yes. No hesitation. That's funny. So the first one was Thomas Pinchon, Bleeding Edge. And the second one was The Doctor by Nikki Sloan. So why did you make those choices? Was it just the video games or was there other stuff? Um, am I allowed to say because I thought that first one was poorly written? <laughs> just, I mean, I laughed through it. Video game, but like describing a woman's hips, like buttons on a video game controller. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, you know, yeah, I just decided you know, a, woman <laughs> would, a woman would not have written, made those bad choices. Right, exactly. Man can't write good scenes. I'm just saying. I think a woman would not have made those those choices of describing her body unless she was writing that book specifically for a very specific person. I suppose. Mm -hmm. Do we think? Do we want to talk about briefly here? We don't have to go quite into it, but like this is obviously like the point of this game is that guys don't write good sex scenes, I and mean, they're all kind of weird. They're all like slightly just weird. You know what I mean? And maybe that's maybe that's the sample size of like novelists are just weird, like weird, yeah. creepy guy novelists. I don't know. But do we have thoughts on this? Is it just the way that they treat the female body in these passages? It, I, I'm is it's just weird. Well, OK, I'm going to I have to look this up because I can't remember. I always forget this author and, it, and it's going to be important. OK, John Irvin. All right, John Irvin. So. I assume because you, we're playing this game that <laughs> it's fair to, to, to acknowledge that not always, uh -huh. but in some cases in the world, men and women are different. And there is a <laughs> distinct line between those gender differences. Yes. Not claiming that it's necessarily biological. It could very well just be cultural, whether it's biological or cultural. Mm -hmm. This podcast is not trying to decide. We're just trying to say that often in society, you see a, a marked difference. <laughs> so with those ground rules, with those, that's right. With those ground rules, I will play. Uh, yes. Saying that I think men handle sex in books very weirdly <laughs> and not having read a lot of romance. I just know that it's when it is in other books that I'm reading where that are not romance novels by definition, it's just very odd. So I was going to use, I don't know if you've read much John Irving, like, mm -hmm. so Paramount. yeah, I loved his books. I read through them like crazy one season, but I found the sex in his books so crazy. I mean, there was that one book where somebody chomps off a dick, like yeah. during a blowjob because they get rear-ended by a car. I'm like, who comes up with this stuff? It's like, just yeah. he, like in every book, there was always something bizarre sexually. The one everyone knows, I think is Cider House Rules. Yes. And I don't. Th I think they left this out of the movie. How the main character is saving pubic hair in his wallet because he's infatuated with this girl who had an abortion. I mean, like, right? <laughs> but it's like a sexual fascination. But he's she. I mean, I think they end up together. Like, despite Naturally, the fact that she discovers I mean, he's saving her pubic hair. I mean, like again, video game controller hips, yeah. pubic hair in a wallet. Right. Weird. <laughs> it's 
very weird. But I mean, in that same respect, like, and she ended up with him, right? So we as women, like, I have a friend who like, she loves John Early. And I'm like, this is, and so we as women are taught, I think, in some form or another, like that behavior, like saving someone's pubic hair is somehow romantic when it is really just creepy and it's creepy. creepy. I would say I love John Irving's books, but I that stuff always made me go, this guy is. In the same way the Game of Thrones guy George R. R. Martin. Martin, yeah, is obs- I think is obsessed with rape. Sure. A lot of rape in his yeah. books. Rapey, as my wife would call it. Yeah. And I just don't super rapey. Also when you're writing fantasy where you're inventing entire worlds And you could invent a world where rape does not exist. Mm -hmm. Why have way more rape than most people know in the, in the real world? Like why make more rape? Like, again, like if he's a healthy sexual adult, I don't believe it. I think there's something, you know, in the same club membership there with pubic hair and a wallet, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and and George RR Martin also is, is lauded for, female empowerment as well right like he has characters female characters have been sold as feminist and strong women and all this kind of stuff but and yet he's you know teenagers are being raped in those books right so it is just like a this is what we're as women forced to accept as as male feminism like it's a weird message yeah yeah Yeah. for sure but that said aria forever you know what i mean Anyway, all right, good talk, good talk. And so that leads us into a book where the sex is not weird. And that is uh, Something Wilder by Christina Lauren. A little bit about this book and the authors. Uh, Christina Lauren is the name of two people, Christina Billings and Lauren Hobbs. So it's a co-written book. They are the author of 18 New York Times bestselling novels. Their work is currently translated in over 30 languages. They've received multiple star reviews. They have been inducted into the Library Reads Hall of Fame. They are a Lambda Literary Award finalist. They've been nominated for several Goodreads Choice Awards. They've been featured in publications like Forbes, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, Time, Entertainment Weekly, People, O Magazine, and more. So suffice it to say, uh, Christina Lauren is huge. So they're super duper romance novelists and have been for coming on now a decade. So they're um, pretty popular. All right. The book summary is uh, something wilder. Here we go. Growing up the daughter of a notorious treasure hunter and absentee father, Duke Wilder left Lily without much patience for the profession or money, much money in the bank. But Lily now uses Duke's coveted hand-drawn maps to guide tourists on fake treasure hunts through Utah. It pays the bills, but doesn't leave enough to fulfill her dream of buying back the beloved ranch her father sold years ago, and definitely not enough to deal with the sight of the man she once loved walking back into her life with a motley crew of friends ready to hit the trail. Frankly, <laughs> Lily <laughs> frankly, Lily would like to take him out into the wilderness and leave him there. Leo Grady knew mirages were a thing in the desert, but they'd barely left civilization when the silhouette of his greatest regret comes into focus in the flickering light of the campfire. Such poetry there. (laughs) Um, Ready to leave the past behind, Leo wants nothing more than to reconnect with his first and only love. Unfortunately, 
Lily Wilder is all business, drawing a clear line in the sand. It's never going to happen. But when the trip goes horribly and hilariously wrong, the group wonders if maybe the legend of the hidden treasure wasn't a gimmick after all. There's a chance to right the wrongs of Duke's past and their own, but only if Leo and Lily can confront their history and work together. Alone under the stars in the isolated and dangerous mazes of the Canyonlands, Leo and Lily must decide whether they'll risk their lives and hearts on the adventure of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Big stakes here. <laughs> all right, Zach. So first of all, tell me, I gave you a list of books. You've got a good mix. I think I gave you some. Maybe oh, yeah. And paranormal and contemporary. So why did you, and this was the first one you picked. Uh, naturally, I figured this is the one you would pick, but tell us why you picked this one first. All right. Well, first, fun story. I picked my three books, wrote them down, and then showed the list of books to my wife and said, Mm -hmm. can you guess what I would pick? And she picked (laughs) in the order of my preference, the three books, like right off the bat. Uh-huh. So I was I was pretty impressed. I thought it was it spoke well about our marriage. So yeah, sure. I picked this book. And that you're very vocal about the things that you like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So my family, we always go to the beach for a week in the summer. And yeah. my dad and I, you know, we go to the beach. We like it. But that's not like our top pick. Yeah. So we're like, but we go and it's nice because you just go. And what do you do? You sit and you go in the water and then you sit and you go in the water and so when I sit, I read like a lot. I, yeah. I read through like a ton of books that, that we, uh, and we used to read a lot of Clive Cussler's Dirk Pitt novels. Uh-huh. There's like this over the top, ridiculous James Bond on like steroid testosterone shakes. Okay. Yes. You know, like <laughs> in that way. And it's not amazing fiction, yeah. but, but they're really fun. It was like the perfect beach read. And mm-hmm. so beyond the obvious focus on romance, in reading that very poetic description that you, on the back of the jacket, the premise of this book reminded me kind of of one of those Clive Cussler novels, you know, just, mm-hmm. just reading that description. So mm-hmm. that was why I, I picked this one first. It seemed yeah. safest, most accessible. <laughs> well, it's action packed and it's like outdoorsy, which is I think yeah. probably a good thing that you like. All right. Fair enough. So you picked it because it seemed familiar to you, basically, is what you're kind of saying. So what were the your first impressions then of the cover, the summary I just read? Tell me, the, tell me some of the feelings you had before you started reading. Well, partly I think it's like the, you know, the, the Kindle world is that I didn't get to stare at the cover much, but I just mm-hmm. found that the cover was not impressive. If uh, if oh, really? we record if we record for the second book, I'll have a lot more to say about that cover. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but the cover was not very impressive. And in fact, I had to go back to like the menu on my Kindle and see what it was again yeah. to remind myself of how it didn't impress me. But what I was <laughs> really surprised by was the blurb. Okay, you know the description of the book. Because uh-huh. it flat out told you who'd be falling in love and getting it on. Like, I didn't know that that was, it was just going to, hey, there's no mystery here. Here, yeah. you know, Leo, blah, 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 and Lily, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And when I commented on this, my wife laughed at me because she said that's the setup for all romance, for rom-coms also, uh, and for romantic K-dramas, uh, of which she's oh, yeah, like a sure. big fan. Uh-huh. And, and I, yes, I've accidentally gotten sucked into her K-dramas in the past <laughs> without regret. It's easy, yeah. <laughs> So, so you watch K dramas? 
I don't, but everybody, every like person I know is obsessed with K dramas, and I, that's right. why I have not done it because I know, I know, I will, I know, I will get obsessed, and I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, which one? What my wife has taught me is they're great because they're like a set run. You know, there's not going to be a season two. It's just, it's right. just set and done. Mm -hmm. And what I loved is the scenes where they're eating meals. Uh -huh. Like are amazing. <laughs> like the Koreans know exactly how to film a meal so that you always end up hungry. Like, I feel like Americans, they just take a pretend bite. Like, you know, maybe it's just, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I was going to make some like simulated sex scene to like, but that's not going to work. I can think. <laughs> so to say that these, these people are eating and it's just incredible and Phil likes to make fun of me about it, that I just, it's just, it's just great. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I was shocked though to, to realize that there would be no mystery and who would actually be ending up together. Oh, you've you've, you've got the cover there. For us I do. To, to, well, to... yeah. First of all, it is no mystery. It never will be a mystery. That's the whole point of romance. You know, there's two people and they're gonna end up together, and that's the best part about it. Yeah. So the cover is just it looks like sunset, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like a mountains and then a heart as the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. It's, it's very sky. nice. Yeah. It is very colorful. It's a nice yellow color if you see it in color. But yeah, it's that heart really skews me out. Don't love a heart. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So did it so the the summary, yeah, it does kind of tell you exactly what's gonna happen. Did the cover denote the tone of what you read? The cover? Uh, no, I really again because Unlike the second book, which I actually had in paperback, and I would constantly see it just <laughs> staring at me. I, I you know, I, 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 like, I never saw the cover again after yeah. I initially started it. So I had to go back and go, what was it? Oh, yeah, it was the heart. Like, I just remember the heart, basically. But as far as the blurb, did it deliver yeah. what I thought I'd be reading? Mm -hmm. it, it, it did deliver because... There, you know, I, I try to think, okay, when have I known, like I said, again, I, I, I described these blurbs to my wife. She laughed at me and said, well, you know, in a rom-com, you know, in a K-drama, you know, in a, rom a, a romance novel, you know who's going to end up. It's not about who, it's going to be about the how. Yes, the um, how, exactly. The how, like, it's not important who. It's like, you know, that's not a mystery. It's how is this possibly going to come together? And, the, you know, the more unlikely, you know, like you said, think of the rom-coms that we've watched and, like, it's more seems unlikely to misfit characters. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, in the case of this book where something has happened where it seems like they might not be able to reconcile. Yes. Uh, this is what we yeah. call a second chance romance because they have been together. They, and then a misunderstanding happened and they were torn apart. And now they have found each other again in the Utah desert. Yes. As people are wont to do in a romance. <laughs> Would you? I don't know about that. I have thoughts about the Utah desert and a romance novel, but that's for later. <laughs> I have thoughts about that, too. I have, thought, I have so many thoughts about this book. And it's, <laughs> I have a lot. All right. So, and speaking of, we're talking about rom-coms. And this book is loosely based on the movie Romancing the Stone. In that there's a bunch of shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, were you interested in, and it takes place outside, basically. I'm not sure what the other, like, it was pitched as, like, a Romancing the Stone type of thing. I'm not sure how closely it followed that, but... Anyway, were you interested in the premise of the book? Did you feel fully immersed kind of in this Utah world that the author created? Oh, yeah, like totally. I mean, definitely one of the reasons that I, I picked this book first and why I dwell on my wife was so sure I would pick this. Have you, have you read any of Edward Abbey's fiction? 
No, like, he, he had this character. Him. Yeah, I mean, he wrote. I think he, he probably should be more known for like his nonfiction, and oh. he probably is. But like, I have know him more from some of his fiction. He was like an environmental crusader, and his hmm. and it's all desert Southwest stuff. And okay. I love to read about the, the desert Southwest, and yeah. and I have spent some time there, uh-huh. and it was amazing. Yeah, it just kind of feels like some place. From like from another time, like yeah. another place, you know, just and one of the things, and this is what I was saying, I, I would get to later is life should not exist there, <laughs> like, especially not people. Uh, I mean, there's life that thrives there, but like people should not live there. Uh-huh. So folks who usually live there are super interesting and a little nutty. Uh-huh. And if I had like another life to live, and uh-huh. in that other life I didn't love water and green things so much, then I would uh-huh. love to live there because it does seem really amazing. Yeah. But and so it's one of those things, again, like maybe climbing Everest. I have no desire to ever climb Everest, but I love right. to like read about it because sure. I like certain, the, some of the similar elements that the people experience, but without the losing fingers and watching their friends fall off the mountain. Uh, I'm not, I'm not into treasure hunting, but uh-huh. the trekking over the terrain of the desert Southwest and the camping out and horses instead of gas engines, like all that, like totally sucked me in like right yeah. away. Yeah, I liked the all the. There's a lot of shrubby. The word shrubby was used a lot. Like everything, like nothing was growing. It was just shrubby cactus, shrubby plants, shrubby trees, like shrubs, shrubby mm. shrubs. And I was like, I get it. Yeah, not much is growing here. No. So, and everybody I have talked to who has been to Utah, right, loves it. So, and it kind of says that same thing about it. So, yeah, I did... I've never been to Canyonlands. I've been to Arches, which is in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like they actually went there. And if I think I read something, maybe it was in the back or an interview or something, but they didn't just do research. Like they actually went to Utah, which is not really that typical for, I guess, a romance novel, but... Good for them. I like that they. It was all outside too. I know I joked about that before, but <laughs> it was <laughs> it was fun. I mean, like the whole thing was was fun. It was different than a lot of romance novels. And would you say that that Edward Albee guy is like the Bill Bryson of the Southwest? Oh no, because okay. Bill Bryson's so funny. I know. I and just, I feel like, and he bops around to different places. Like he wrote that book about coming back from England, you know, because he lived yeah. there, I think because of his wife, where Edward Abbey is just so about that area. Like I think he famously said about one of the dams in the Colorado, like I wouldn't blow up this dam, but I hold your flashlight while you blow it up. Like he, <laughs> like he was really an environmental crusader for like the desert Southwest. I mean, he probably would have been other areas too, but he was just kind of focused on there. Uh-huh. And had been a park ranger, and I think like that's like what colored his whole. I did read that non one of his books that was nonfiction. All right, um, I just like to talk yeah. about Bill Bryson, but we can do that another time. <laughs> I, really... I, I mean, uh, yeah, I do love Bill Bryson. So. I love him so much. All right, and I actually, by the way, talking to you has made me feel like, man, I am very well read. Look, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've read Bill Bryson, <laughs> and I know this Edward Abbey guy, and now I'm reading romance novels. Like, look at me. Look at you, Zach. We've Get my smoking jacket and uh, install a library on my house. <laughs> We've talked about so many books already in this mm. podcast. <laughs> yes. We're we're so smart. Yeah. 
I actually, <laughs> I met a person who has hiked the whole Appalachian Trail and I asked him, have you read Bill Bryson? And he was like, no. And I was like, then what the fuck? <laughs> I, I can't talk to you then. What are you even doing? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you even do it then? <laughs> 2,000 miles, had no time to read. <laughs> Idiots. Anyway, all right. Okay, did you find the writing style compelling? Were you entertained, I guess? Did you find the writing style comfortable? Like, were you bought? I mean, like, what did you... Just tell me your general thoughts. Oh, yeah. Entertaining, totally. It's like, like uh, the adventure and the sci-fi I read that I'd compare this to, it was mm-hmm. it was an easy read. And yeah. I would say it, it didn't ask much of me, which sounds bad. My father-in-law has fed me these sort of, oh, no, the world is ending sci-fi trilogies yeah and what i realized reading this particular book is that the books that he loves are basically romance well i can't say that i haven't read very much romance but they were they are very they're written exactly like this book with the except with the, the one caveat is that it'll be they stared longingly into each other's eyes <laughs> and then fade to black next chapter Like, you know that what just happened, but the scene, the sex scene is not there. And I I was, because I was thinking, my father-in-law would eat this book up, but then he'd probably be very uncomfortable with these romance scenes. Well, and they call those, when when the fades to black, we call those closed door sex scenes. And there are a lot of romance novels that have those, right? A lot, mostly Amish. <laughs> Mostly like inspirational wait, romance novels. Wait, there's Amish romance novels? There's so many. It's huge. Amish romance is huge. <laughs> Do you remember the oh we used to talk about Amish sex? And it was like a sheet with a hole cut out. <laughs> I feel like we talked about that all the time. No, but I feel like recently I heard about this <laughs> startling teen trend with the Mormons. Hmm. where they like, I, I can't even just, it's like there's some loophole where it's not sex if you're not moving. And so they they place they place themselves on top of each other and have another friend shake the furniture because technically under some bad definition that an elder made once upon a time, that doesn't count. Oh my God. <laughs> you go, yeah, I, well, I don't even know how to tell you. Look it up. So again, I, I think Amish from us, that sounds terrible because does it have the same kind of tension that all of these books do? Yes, because they're like- So tension with no like release. hands, you know what I mean? Or are they like, their elbow brushes up against each other. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like Victorian England, you know, all of those books that you've not read, but I have where like they're never going to have sex, but just a hand brush. Or if you're not familiar with this, but the hand flexing scene in the 2005 Pride and Prejudice by Mr. Darcy. These are like, they become, these small things become so heightened. Because oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can't let you slander my character this way. First of all, I, I yes, you're right. I don't think I've read, I've read maybe some of those classics. Uh-huh. But while I can't remember which ones I read, I 100% watch them with you. <laughs> Yes, I watched. Is this the Pride and Prejudice that's like nine hours long? No, that's the 1996 Pride and Prejudice. Still, what I'm talking about. All right, all right. Which is one? What's his? Oh gosh, what's his name? Colin Firth. Zach. Okay, anything that had Colin Firth in it, I have seen because you were my roommate. So <laughs> whatever ones Colin Firth was in, I've seen. And then, and because I married an, an English major, I have watched all of them at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So. What else are you going to do on rainy, poor weather weekends is 
Yeah. So yes, I have maybe not read them, but I have seen them. Right. Uh, Kate, Kate Winslet is loved in this house. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever one she was in, I've seen at least twice since, since I've been married. Sensibility, and she was since a star. That was a star making role for Kate Winslet. Yeah. And whatever one Professor Snape was in, what, what, was that the same one? Because he falls in love with Emma Thompson, which is Kate yes. Winslet's sister. Right. Yes, I've, I've seen this. So you just the way you just dismissively waved your hand. That of course I've never read those. I've read at least one of those. Oh, and I oh I made the unfortunate mistake. I don't know if I finished it of at least starting Pride and Prejudice with zombies at the beach one year. Oh yeah. And just found it. Well, it's just garbage. Like yeah. I just it was just hey steal someone else's great book and pencil in and then there was a zombie at the end of every other <laughs> sentence and and you're allowed to make money off of that like that just seems public so. domain man you can do whatever you want um, no, i hate just... zombies and we can i mean we don't have to talk about this now but like people all were all into pride and prejudice and zombies i hated the idea because it seemed like there for like just like a period of years like every party i went to people were like what's your zombie contingency plan like what are you gonna do if the zombies come and i was like no. fucking nothing i'm gonna build a <laughs> i'm gonna dig a ditch <laughs> <laughs> and go to the base like what do you want me to like i can't entertain this but everywhere i went just people were talking so anyway i hate zombies zombies are stupid <laughs> and pride and prizes with zombies is just lazy that person is just a lazy person who wrote that book i mean who didn't write that book sorry who yeah. took a book that was written lazy author <clears throat> anyway all right so you liked reading this book it was not hard you obviously read it quickly no problem there oh yeah I, I enjoyed it <laughs> so did you enjoy all the action and adventure in this book and there are there's tons it's like a non-stop thrill ride they're always getting into stuff did you like that? yeah oh yeah i felt i felt like right at home i said even books that i i'll go as far as to say as i said books that my father-in-law had fed me mm -hmm. that i was like yeah this is an okay read like it was an improvement because it's a similar writing style with the action adventure but whereas the action and adventure had no really no depth to it at least this in these other books at least this also had like well if i get bored of the action adventure i can worry about lily and leo you know sure. so yeah i felt i felt very at home with, with how the whole setup happened would you have been interested just the same if they stayed at the campsite the whole time or something i mean generally in romance novels there's a lot of talking right and so I, I enjoy talk. And so this was a lot of doing stuff and yeah. they didn't talk a lot. And we can talk about this later on the next question. But anyway, I did feel like some of the, the, the guy died in the beginning. Right. And oh, I yeah. was like, whoa. This doesn't happen in romance. I don't want to feel sad and that this guy died. And obviously, yes, was he a dick? Sure. But was he just like a lot of dudes I've met? Yeah. Does he deserve to die for being like kind of a douche? Probably not. And so I'm left like in this moral quandary, the whole book. Am I supposed to be sad about this guy that died? Or am I like, what am I, am I supposed to forget about it? Like, I don't want to have to deal with these kind of emotions in a romance novel. I just wanted to be happy. Now I got to worry about this guy falling off of a cliff and they're blaming this other guy and it's a mess. And so I just, that felt insane to me, <laughs> just generally, because they were all like, hey, we just killed this guy. We're not going to tell anybody. And we're going to continue to look for this treasure and it's all going to be fine. And I was like, well, no, it's not. Well, that part was crazy. Like to think that they're going to like, oh, we'll just come up with some story and tell the cops later. And they won't be able to figure out that he's been there for days. Like that was crazy. I agree. But this is making me think, wow, when we talk about the next book. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but the second book, and we can say it's Cressley Cole, that's a different world. Like, that's not... True, uh, true, That's true. not the real world. So, yeah, crazy shit's going to happen in that. But this is Utah in 2022. Yeah. You're not just pushing guys off cliffs and, like, having to be okay. And also, we talked about set pieces in another podcast. And this book was full of set pieces, right? So like a set piece in, in is any sort of kind of big comedic situation, right? So obviously, this guy, he falls off a cliff and they're all like kind of scrambling, like, what do we do? What do we do? And they're put into this nutty situation, right? And likewise, being captured in the middle of the desert. That's a heightened situation that should be ripe for humor. But I don't... I don't love a set piece. I don't like these contrived, silly situations that people have to deal with. And it wasn't funny the way they dealt with it. I didn't think it was humorous. And I wanted to because Christina Lauren is very funny. And we'll talk about that later. But I didn't find these situations funny at all. And I found them very stressful. So I've never had somebody die in front of me. I think I would have a hard time just continuing on and going, well, you're going to deal with this later. Yeah, I have not been that close to a death. So it's like regardless of how like you said regardless how i felt about the person who just died i think it would be hard to be like oh well Uh i guess we can deal with that later i just yeah and if this wasn't a romance fine do whatever you want but it is so like i don't want to feel that way and also it wasn't just somebody like that you're a random person on a hiking tour this is somebody those guys knew and they were like let's just keep going (laughs) i was like all right guys and i think there would have been other ways to deal with him to take him out of this story without killing him like that Especially since the other his two idiot accomplices, they don't get to die; they just get arrested. So I think right. there was there could have been another way to deal with it without it. It just seemed like unnecessary baggage that at the end they had to just make you believe that they could just collaborate their stories and that one of the bad guys would also tell the same story and be fine with lying to the cops right. and they would all be just fine and it would never come out. I well, and like also, people. couldn't the same story have happened if they all just kept going to the treasure like with Terry and then he keeps telling his minions where to go and then they ambush this group? But like, I don't know why you have to kill. I don't know. Terry doesn't need to exist because Bradley is the ultimate bad right. guy in the whole thing like so they could have just fast forwarded to where they get captured twice by the other bad guys and then find out you know near the very end that it's really just bradley who's the a-hole so exactly yeah terry doesn't need to exist or die right oh my god look at that advanced reasoning skills (laughs) you fixed this whole book all right yes here we go Not to say that I didn't enjoy the book. I mean, I mostly did, but I just had those kind of hangups. So to you, was the dialogue dialogue realistic? And do you think that that's how people talk to each other? Well, no, I don't. I don't think anyone talks like they talk in rom-coms and adventure books, but I don't really like hold it against them either. I'm often annoyed by how people talk in books, but in the same way that I yell at TV shows and movies, which is part of my enjoyment, I think, of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I recognize that if people in books were as persistent and direct as I think I'd be in those situations, Uh that the book would be like 40 pages long. (laughs) The only way to draw out a a book like this is if the people are either like refusing to talk about something or my least favorite thing they do in books of all time is when a character is protecting somebody from the truth, which I loathe. (laughs) <laughs> like because that happens all the time it's usually a male character 
And he's like, doesn't think she can handle the truth. And so she's just pretending like I didn't want to like the, the burden of telling you what really happened. I just hate that. And so it just pushes some misunderstanding along for 200 pages because the author knows that if he just told her that she'd be like, well, blah, blah, blah. And oh, I guess we're done here. End of book. <laughs> But I think find other ways to, to prolong your book other than protecting someone from the truth, which this book did not do that. This book didn't do that, I don't think. But I, I, I can't stand that. Yeah, that's when just a sentence could solve a problem, right? In romance, we call some people TSTL, which is too stupid to live. And that's like... like <laughs> That's like kind of what we're talking about. Like when people just won't do a thing that makes total sense. So that didn't happen in this book, Bill. All right. Well, did you feel that there was true chemistry between Lily and Leo? Leo. You did? Yes, I did. I, I mean, again, kind of interesting in this book is that they, they were in love or in a, a young love. And I don't think they ever stopped loving each other or, or they didn't, they never stopped loving the memory mm -hmm. of their love for each other when they were basically sort of adults, young adults. So what's like remarkable or perhaps better for the story and for a connection to real life is they got to fall back in love as real adults. Uh -huh. And interesting, you and I talked about this recently when we talked about college romances and how you can't really change people. And right. so when you fall in love as a kid-sized adult, which is what I like to call college college uh -huh. kids, kid-sized adults, is you either get lucky that the true adults you grow into, you still want to be around each other, or you realize you don't like the grown-up version of each other and it doesn't last. You know, So people right. that we know who got married like right after school, it might not work out. And it's yeah. it's not because they made a mistake, it's but because mm -hmm. they weren't really grown up yet. No, um, and like society tries to tell you that you're grown up, you... I definitely, I mean, you saw me. I was a shambles human being. I was not capable of making decisions. And so like, I, I just can't imagine anybody making right decisions then, so. Well, no, but, but I mean, I felt very put together and I yes, think you were, in a lot you of ways were. I was, but I was not, made this my, to my point to my wife many times, if she had met that version of me, like it would never have worked. Like I was not ready for like relationships and things at that point. I needed a lot of growth and figuring out a lot of different things. But yeah, like could I balance my, my checkbook and like, you know, <laughs> cook and clean and like, yeah, I could function as an adult and I felt like an adult, but I was still developmental. And so these two they fell in love young and fast and got to spend a decade apart growing up away from each other mm -hmm. and we'd be drawn to each other by their memory of love and passion and then fall in love over again with as fully functional adults who really knew what they wanted and but maybe they wouldn't have even given each other the time of day if they hadn't had that past right. to suck them in if they had just met in a, in a bar for lack of a better scenario, they might have not given it, you know, spent any time together, but it was because of that past that kept them together long enough to realize that they did care for each other. Right. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was a very good premise in that regard, just because mm -hmm. of, you know, how we had been talking about and thinking about people who fall in love at 19 or 20 and, mm -hmm. and not, don't really know what, who they are, or what, what they want. Yeah. Right. It's interesting that you think that they, I did not feel like there was much chemistry between them. And so I felt that they, they didn't talk a lot that after they had sex in that cabin or whatever, there's like a paragraph that tells you what they talked about. And then they kind of continue to talk about this treasure. And it's all, like I said before, kind of everything, their romance is encased in this humongous treasure hunt set piece. And so mm. I just had trouble 
connecting with with their story like i agree i thought it was nice that they fell in love as what did you say kid size adults is that what kid size adults kid size adults and that was sweet and i believe that they could fall in love as adults and i wanted them to but i just didn't see it on the page there didn't seem to be any banter between them and they kind of helped each other through this process but it i didn't see i just didn't i don't know i just there was something about it that the whole rest of the story distracted me from the from their love story i felt like their love wasn't as big as the stuff going on around them all right i get that I wanted more of them, I guess is what I'm saying. I wanted more of their interaction one-on-one, which I think is why Terry had to die, right? Because we needed... (laughs) Because we needed... Terry had to die. Yeah, because we needed them alone, right? And so they had to find out a way, how do we get these two people just by themselves so they can have time to work through this together, right? And so that's why they all had to split up. That's why Terry had to die. I get it. But like, I needed that earlier and I needed more of them, I think, just generally. Cause I just don't think that they, I can't remember like a conversation they had that I felt like, oh, they're falling in love in this moment. The thing that I remember mm. most was they're crossing that river and she goes under and he helps her, but there's no talking in that at all, right? They're just kind of helping each other across the river. And I appreciated that, but I just, that's the biggest thing I remember about their relationship. What is drawing these two people together besides history? You know, what do they really have in common? What are they going to talk about at the dinner table? You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea because I don't know anything really about their relationship. I know a lot about Lily. I know some about Leo. He seems like a nice guy and he's helping his sister or whatever. I don't know that I know much about Leo and Lily. So I don't, so I think, here's why I think they work. I don't think Leo is got a lot he's just down a lot i don't think he's very deep i think <laughs> Lee, well, no i just think anyway he's lived almost his entire life someplace where he doesn't really care about out of family obligation okay he just like or like well this is what i'm supposed to do next and i've got to take care of this and but he has this what summer and it's out of his wheelhouse and he loves it but then he never returns to it because of again family obligation and his family 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 blah 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 and then his family is gone and he's just got his sister to take care of but lily knows what she wants like she kind of really knows what she wants the whole time and she can't achieve it but she's got this chip on her shoulder because of her father and her absent mother it's like so she sort of longs for someone who's going to be devoted to her and love her and not be a dick sure. like how she perceives her <laughs> both her parents because yeah. she might not blame her mother but still you have a kid you can't just abandon it even like okay wait when they're Maybe you abandon childhood and rec- try to reconcile as an adult, but the mom is kind of like, nah. And then the dad is like, oh, well, I'm, it's so clever, this thing I'm doing, but he's just sort of absent too, and he's a dick. And playful about it and gives her 10 years of trauma because he thought he'd play this fun thing that would not take 10 years, whatever. Right. Then comes Leo. You know, I've, I've really never done anything that I've wanted. I've just done things for others. How about I just come do things for others for you? Yeah. <laughs> in this place that I fell in love with in one summer and I wish I could have stayed, but I couldn't because I had to do things for others. So now I finally get to go back to where I secretly always wanted to be and just help support you because literally take me to the ice cream parlor. I don't care. 
I'll just whatever ice cream you want, darling. And it's not for lack of a backbone. He's just truly happy to just first for his parents, then for his sister, now for Lily. And I think Lily, like Nicole, works for her, like needs someone like like people like this around her. So that's why I'm like, I I don't think like Leo needs very much. Right. You know. Well, that is every woman's dream. Just a guy who doesn't need much, right? Yeah. <laughs> just there to do whatever. <laughs> and enough. different than the books that I said, this writing style reminds me of books where the guy would be dragging someone across the universe while telling her she should have stayed home because it's really dangerous. But she insists on coming. So he'll take her along. But again, it's never about what she really wants other than whether she wants to come or go and is going to not take no for an answer. So... That's why I'm like, oh, sweet. Finally, Leo is, it's really not. Like, he's got nice abs, I think, you know, I'm sure. His, his jeans fit really well, I, I think, you know. There was something about his jeans. <laughs> I, can we talk about this for a second? This scene, remind me to, to need to talk about the sleeping bag thing when we get to the sex. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. But sure, let's, we'll come back to that. But I have to say, like, it made me think of you, and we'll talk about why later. But yeah, yeah. So, fair enough. That was a thoughtful explanation of. I understand why they think or why they are in love with each other. And I think that was a good explanation of that. Like, yes, they provide, and that's what romance novels do, right? This is the thing I need, and this is the man and the person who is providing it. And that's, yes, and we fit that way. And I guess all I'm saying is that. I didn't see the progression of that. So speaking of, in your opinion, was the sexual tension satisfying? Was the sex well-written, realistic? Tell me, let's talk about that. All right. Yes, I think so. Okay. Uh, Because if if you don't care about the couple falling in love Uh and having a happy ending. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Okay, that was it. That was a bad choice of words. (laughs) If you don't care about them living happily ever after, Mm -hmm. you're at least going to be screaming like, oh, thank goodness when they finally orgasm. Because, (laughs) I mean, holy cow, do they draw that out? Like, they just draw it out. Mm -hmm. I guess it's it's one thing if it was just one of them. But because of the dual perspectives and you realize they're both so thirsty, like, (laughs) it just makes their eventual (laughs) release... (laughs) That much more satisfying, or at least it's relieving for the reader to just be like, oh, thank goodness, like these two tortured people. <laughs> Out of curiosity, is that the formula for abortion romance novels is to go really deep in the book and then finally something like somebody gets a no? Like, is that normally how it goes? Yeah, I mean, normally in romance novels, there's a pretty, I mean, there's like the kiss, right, which they had early on. Then there's the boob action, oral, or just hand job action, which they kind of did. They kind of did that weird dry humping thing in this book. All right, I'm glad you brought that up. Is dry humping a common feature in romance novels? It's not. (laughs) With adults? It's not really. With adults? Because I thought that was like, uh, you know, my parents are right upstairs. It's high school, and we, you know, we don't have much time. Like I didn't realize adults did a lot of dry humping. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't see it a lot, but in the past couple of books I've read, yeah, it has been. There's been dry hump, so I don't. You know, I don't know. Oh well, yeah, there there was dry humping in the second book you read, that, really? that I read for this podcast too. Yeah, we, when we get to it, but I also think it's a terrible name because it's arguably is very messy. <laughs> 
I think they even I think they even make a joke about the mess. Do they dry hump inside of the sleeping bag? Is that where that happens? Can we talk about that now? We're we talking about the sleeping bag now? Yeah. As an outdoorsy, outdoorsy person, I'll tell you <laughs> that is the most unbelievable thing in the entire book. Because <laughs> I I mean, sleeping bags are just like a way of life for the outdoorsy, outdoorsy world uh-huh. for me. And I hate it. I hate them. Because they are so constricting. Yeah. Like my shoulders just like, you know, if the wet, if it's cold, especially now, if the weather's warm, fine, you know, it unzip, but they're like forced to use a sleeping bag because it's cold in the desert Southwest. Like otherwise they would just unzip it and use it as a blanket and they'd be totally fine, which is what I would do if it was not super cold. But the fact that they have to have it zipped up because it's cold, there's no way they're fitting in there together unless the. This guy, unless Leo is like 90 pounds, which I don't believe. <laughs> yeah. And second, if they somehow manage to zip it around themselves, they're barely going to sleep because yeah. it's going to be miserably uncomfortable. Yes. And they're definitely not doing anything with the zipper zipped up. Yeah. I, there's no way. Well, like I just kept wondering, old timey like slumber party sleeping bags are a different breed than like professional adult sleeping bags where they're like fitted to your body, right? And they've got the, the head thing. And so I remember specifically you in college and the person you were seeing at the time, you guys would talk about like zipping your sleeping bags together. And I thought, okay, sure. But this was a different thing than that. And like, I just, even if they were the old tummy sleeping bags, and even if it was two people in one of those sleeping bags, that's insane. But then if it's a regular adult person sleeping bag that they make now where it's again like a mummy type of sleeping bag, there's just absolutely no way two people are fitting it. Right. Just- I, I wonder, did the two authors zip themselves into a sleeping bag and decide that this could work? Did they do any field research? I don't think so. And you're right. If it was like a sleeping over the house sleeping bag, it would still be terribly difficult, yes. but maybe a little bit more possible. Oh. But not the kind of sleeping bag they're, they're going to supply to guests right. on this kind of an outing. So yeah, yeah. no. But I did think, I remember thinking it this is ruining it for me because I'm, I'm again shouting at the TV going, <laughs> give me a break. Just get through the night and then when it's, you know, the next tomorrow. But... No, it bothered me the whole time, but it did, I will tell you, because otherwise I would have been really annoyed at the dry humping, but instead I was annoyed at the sleeping bag part of it. So I like, the dry yeah. humping ended up not being as annoying, even though I was kind of annoyed, <laughs> annoyed by it, but it was overtaken by the sleeping bag thing. It just, it took me right, I just couldn't believe it and so by the time they eventually had sex i was still thinking about the sleeping bag and so i was like i don't even know that i care i'm glad that they're not in the sleeping bag again but the authority of how sex should be is is called completely into question now and i can no longer Yeah. But other than that, did the actual, like, was this, so you've never read a romance novel before, except for the campfire right. and your grandmother's novel that perhaps you don't remember. So was this kind of what you thought it would be? Or was it hotter? Was it more tame than you thought? Did you have any expectations kind of going in? So certain scenes were like hotter and, and some were like, and some were not. I guess I was surprised, I guess, by some of the later stuff. And I think it's because it's it was the buildup, that tension. Mm-hmm that you asked about and their first just the first moment of there being anything any scrap of anything where it's kind of like okay I feel like once they open one door everything else seemed conceivable with some emotion like relationship work but before that you're like okay I know they're going to end up together but it's still sort of a mystery that how is this going to happen because they have some huge barriers to get through 
But was the actual writing of the sex, did that seem realistic to you? Or I guess other than the sleeping bag and adult dry humping, which I actually don't remember if those are the same uh, thing. But I can't remember. I think that they had to dry hump the only, in the, the sleeping bag because it was the only like way they could move. By the way, is this the most time dry hump has been said in one of your podcasts? I think we've set a record for them. I, this is certainly the most time I've ever said that. Is that is it two words? Is it hyphenated? Like, is it just one word? I, I don't know. It's the most time I've ever said dry hump in my entire life. I think the only way two adults are dry humping is if they're doing it in a public place like a right. coat room where it's not it's naughty because it's it shouldn't be happening and they have to get in and get out really quick and then they're giggling and they're 43 and they're <laughs> running out of there to go to wherever they're going to have real sex I don't think other adults are dry humping and that's the end the fact that they do that and then it's yeah. they're done just seems like well why they weren't in a yeah. hurry they weren't trying not to get caught they were trying to what not fully commit yet like oh by doing this we're not fully committing to each other like i just yeah. no <laughs> again that seems like that mormon <laughs> have a friend shake the table for you kind of loophole in not going right. all the way Whereas like sex doesn't have to mean yeah. one thing, you know? So yeah, I, I, I felt like other than the sleeping bag and the dry humping, which might have been, maybe I'm hoping it was the same thing because then we can mm -hmm. just write that yeah. whole scene off. It's terrible. And then all the rest can be, fun, yeah. can be great. I think it was, well, I think he fell asleep afterwards, right? I think that was how that scene ended. He was, they were, mm. they had just yeah. survived the river. They were getting warm. They were naked in the sleeping bag, right? Or he, she was wearing his clothes or something. Thing. They were in the sleeping bag and then he fell asleep. It was a tough day, you know. That guy died and they almost died in the river. So it was the dry humping and oh then they gosh. both went to sleep. They were like, I'm there out. It is. This is all I can muster. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you thought it was realistic. So when you read it, you weren't like, this is a fantastical, like, female version of sex. No, no, no. no all right. No. Oh, other than, should we talk about the fact that it's the desert southwest? Sure. I, I'm going to excuse it because they're forced into this situation. But it seems like sex on the beach. It seems like a terrible, oh. terrible place. Like, it's going, you're going to uh -huh. be dusty, sweaty, and dirty. Now, they did go through the river. I guess there's that. I guess they did go through the river. I, just... I remember them dry humping, but I don't remember them when they actually have sex. I don't remember at what point. Oh, it's in the cabin. Was that what happened? Oh, yeah. The dusty spiderweb filled cabin with the floor <laughs> sunk in. Yeah, that seems like it also, like, that seems like also a great place. At least it was indoors. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure no one's getting a urinary tract infection <laughs> after that. <laughs> or tetanus. <laughs> but again, if I, if I take the situation out of it I'm I, when you're asking the question I'm yes. really focusing on that like the uh -huh. scene and not the scenery as I said with the novel like, is that the whole their romance was not as big as circumstances right but anyway yes. so fair enough all right now here's the big question yeah. was the conflict believable to you between sure. Lily and Leo mm -hmm. yes their lives seemed very hard to reconnect um, except for the yeah. obvious fact that Leo, I think I said this before that Leo didn't seem to care about any part of his life except yes. for make, taking care of his sister who conveniently was now yes. set up to be independent it seems crazy that two people would give up to me would give up trying to contact each other the way these yeah, two did and on that on that I kind of call like baloney but I get that I get it before modern tech like in stories in like more classic literature where the old auntie hides all the guy's letters 
from the leading lady and they only find out you didn't write me and then she finds out like this pack of letters all conveniently tied she hid the letters but she didn't throw them away and then you know you can find whatever this is modern communication and it just seems to me that they gave up way too easily on each other super easily Um, but given that they did it would seem very hard to reconnect after 10 years of that despite what they went through you know like I think of like uh, they had it was like a summer so I think of a relationship that I had that was that brief when I was 18 19 and I think connecting at 30 would be very hard it would be more like friendly casual like and they're both dealing with oh you gave up on me like no you both stupidly stopped trying to communicate in the era of easy communication (laughs) I mean like would an email just an email would have solved this you know what I mean like you couldn't just say Oh, you didn't call me, but I sent you that email and you never... I mean, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, and Leo's, like, once a year getting on a plane and going to crazy places. So it's not like he didn't have the means to fly back there and just track her down. That's why it did make some of the stuff unbelievable. Like, oh, I never stopped here. Like, okay. Was there, like, a worldwide phone outage (laughs) (laughs) that that didn't happen in the real world? But so, I can yeah. almost believe it from Leo's end. Like it was better for him not to have communication with her because there was nothing he could do. Right? He was stuck. To, his mother had died. Yeah. He was stuck taking care of his little sister. He couldn't get out of that situation. So like it was almost better for him. I'm in love with this girl, but there's nothing I can do. I just have to move on with my life. I can understand why he might not, but he did call anyway, regardless. But like I can understand his side of it. But Lily, okay, you didn't hear from him for like a week. Be like, what's up, man? Send him a text. Like I just didn't get, but whatever. I was willing to buy it for the story. All right. So there were some secondary characters in this book. What did you think? Oh, yeah. (laughs) amazing yeah tell me your thoughts so you mean the clown car of stereotypes (laughs) (laughs) i mean they were fine except for (laughs) except for terry and his even dumber accomplices right i'll I'll come back to to those three okay Okay. so nicole Uh i I don't like waiting because two other of your questions made me think nicole is awesome she's my favorite character by far Um, lily seems tough you know, right? And she's supposed to be tough, but mm-hmm. they want her to be soft and right. feminine too, for the sake of I don't know what. But Nicole uh-huh. is what I think Lily would really be like in these circumstances uh-huh. of what she's been through. You know, mm-hmm. with her mom going off, her dad raising her, but not really being there, and her just kind of being raised in this rent. She'd be a badass. She, yeah. You know, she'd be. And so Nicole is that badass. Right. Really is too, but Nicole really is. Like, she's everything you want in a female sidekick. Nicole is sarcastic, Mm -hmm. she's loyal, and she's got knives, you know? So... And yeah. Bradley seems very believable to me, too. He's mm-hmm. the friend that you wouldn't connect with and be friends with today. But right. because you've been friends since you were younger, uh-huh. as a guy, like, you just feel loyal and you stay in touch. Because his character is a douchebag. Even until, before you find out he's betrayed his <laughs> his best friend, you already think this guy's a douchebag. Or at least I thought this guy's a douchebag. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming most female writers would go, ah sucks that Lily has to end up with Leo and he's got a douchebag best friend but then conveniently they throw the best friend in jail so you get to have Leo without a douchebag best friend and you just get Walt. I love now Walt Walt you love Walt? No, no why not? Walt, What's wrong with Walt? Walt is my no because Walt is my least favorite character <laughs> after after Terry what? and his <laughs> Terry? <laughs> well Terry's the worst I hate Terry after Terry <laughs> 
<laughs> Walt, if you didn't have Terry, because his his dopey accomplices, they're not even characters to me. Like yeah, they're no. just they're it's just so dumb, yeah. almost comic belief. They're so dumb. Yeah. But Terry, I, I hate. But if you didn't have Terry, then Walt would be my least favorite character. And it's not because he's quiet and nerdy uh-huh. and sensitive. <laughs> it's because I don't I I don't believe. <laughs> no, it's not because of those things. I don't believe he and Bradley are friends ever. Ever, really? In any circumstance. Now, if Leo and Walt are friends, that's believable. Okay. But yeah. I still don't believe that Bradley and Walt are ever going on adventures together. Not ever. I don't think that Walt is ever, in any year of his life, is ever like, oh, Bradley seems like the kind of guy I want to hang around with. I'm comfortable around Bradley. Like, I just don't believe this foursome <laughs> of Terry, Bradley, Walt, and, and Leo. I just, I can believe everybody's connected, but I don't believe that they go, hey, what's a great idea? Every year we go on a vacation together. Like, mm-hmm. now I know Terry didn't usually go, but I'm still like, I don't think Walt and Bradley are friends. I think, I think... <laughs> Leo and Leo could be loyal to Bradley because of years of friendship, even though if he met Bradley today, he'd be like, this guy's a douchebag who I don't want to be around or be seen around. And I uh-huh. think that Leo could be friends with Walt, but I don't see the three of them as going on adventures where they go, hey, you know what? You can pick an adventure and I don't get to know anything about it. I don't see Walt going, oh, it's Bradley's year? Yeah, I'm sick. I'm not coming. Like, I, I just don't see that. You have gone deep on this. Let me pose this. I do think that douchebags end up with people that they can manipulate in a sort of way. So I think that mm. it's believable. Like, Leo's not as as quiet as Walt, but they're both kind of, like, easygoing guys. Willing to go with the flow. And Bradley is kind of like, this is what we're doing. And they're like, okay. You know what I mean? And they neither yeah. of them seem to have strong opinions on stuff. So I can see them being just like, fine. But uh, fair enough. I accept what you're saying. That's a deep insight on dude relationships that I clearly don't have. So I watch a lot of kids cartoons because <laughs> my daughter, when she she gets to watch like a little bit right before bedtime. Uh-huh. And then on Saturday mornings, we get up, just the two of us usually, she wakes me up and we watch Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. And I need to be present, could be doing something, I could be reading, but a lot of times, what, at least one of my eyeballs gets sucked in. And I feel like this is a <laughs> really common thing. And I feel like in kids shows, it's, hey, you're going to have the six My Little Ponies, right? Okay. Right. Fantastic kids show, by the way. Yeah, My Little sure. Pony. You're gonna have the six My Little Ponies, and uh, you gotta have six really different kind of personalities so that whatever kid is watching can identify yes. with one of those ponies, right? Yeah. But do you need that in this book? Like, do you need? <laughs> is Christina Lauren going? You know what? A Walt might be reading my book, and I need a Walt. A douchebag. <laughs> It might be needing my book and I need a Bradley. I don't think it's this like in adult fiction. I'm kind of like this, you know, we don't need to have six Disney princesses and make sure every possible hair color is represented. Like you just not, you know, representation is important, but I think in this regard, I'm like, again, I'll call it, I'm very proud of like this, the clown car of stereotypes. And that's what this foursome feels like, especially Terry, but I will, I I will come back to Terry in a later, a later moment. Like I have real issues with Terry. Well, can I, let me tell, let me say this. So yes, they probably didn't need all those characters so that all the men that aren't reading these books can identify with them. But I will say we needed a villain, which we thought was Terry, but ended up being Bradley, right? So that's one. Which was great. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, I was a little upset that I didn't see it coming. <laughs> 
Even though I thought he was a douchebag from yeah. very early on, I did not see him being that much of a douchebag. Well, he's even douchier when you realize like he's the one who killed Terry and probably it seemed like it was on purpose because at the time you thought it was an accident, right? But then at the end you realize, oh, maybe he did it on purpose. But anyway, fair enough. Did you think this book was funny? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. And and even though I made fun of the character stereotypes uh-huh. in Leo's circle, it's one of the things you know that made the book enjoyable. I don't really want fiction to be too much like real life. So, you know, you ask, is it believable? And what do you think of the characters? I'm like, well, no, but it, it, it's also okay. And I like getting upset at TV and at books because <laughs> it gives me something right. to, to shout out from the couch to the, the armchair, you know, where my wife is probably hanging out to go, I can't believe this. <laughs> Listen to me complain. <laughs> It's much better than complaining about the real world. You know, it's like complaining about fiction is I, I like much better. Yeah, so, so yeah, I thought I did think it was funny. And most of it was because of these unlikely people all in this background together. Right. When at the end, like I wanted more of these things were like, though I have to admit, it also kind of annoyed me when they finally, they kind of realized that they're close to getting Duke's treasure and they're at that like bar in the middle of nowhere something it's like a trailer park like a bar and leo sees the picture of duke at the cabin in the restroom and he tears it off the pipe and causes a flood right and then they're on this <laughs> then they're on this high speed chase or whatever and i'm like i hate this but it is a little funny but then the guns came out and i was like this isn't funny anymore like as soon as guns enter in i'm like oh, come on but like before that i was like okay this is funny and it was stuff like that but then it got it always went like a step too far for me those kind of things like with the death of terry the guns <laughs> the actual kidnapping <laughs> the actual violence like i wanted all of it to be a little bit more slapsticky and then i would have thoroughly enjoyed this book but in christina lauren are they're they're very funny their books up until this point they're known for their humor they are very funny and i've read a lot of their books and that's what i mean like usually their dialogue is much funny and instead it kind of swapped in this book the dialogue being humorous was kind of swapped out for these larger than life situations all right did this romance did, did this deliver high romance the way you assumed going in what is high romance or did it was it ultra romantic did this feel like a fantastical love journey to you about two people oh yes Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know that I had a lot of assumptions about what it would be. I just knew what I would like had kept me away with my like idea of what romance novels were. So, but I guess it exceeded my expectations because I did not have expect the story to be so entertaining, so fun to read. Gotcha. Okay, great. So this is written in a third person point of view from both Lily and Leo's perspective. So the chapters change like one chapter were in Lily's head. The other chapter, we're kind of seeing it from Leo's perspective. Did the head hopping bother you? And then did you think the male perspective was kind of indicative of how dudes think? Is head hopping an official literary term? Kind of. I like that. Um, No, it didn't bother me. Uh, I'm used to that in a lot of other fiction I've read. Mm -hmm. Is that... Uh, in some ways, I think I prefer it. Yeah. Uh, I read this awesome sci-fi series uh, by Becky Chambers. Okay. That did that, and it would it would like switch with the chapters. Mm-hmm. And yeah. since in the series there were different species, and I do think it was kind of even though it was very it seemed very light, I actually think there were some really deeper things that this series unpacked, and they had 
to do with the fact that they were it was a lot of different species of aliens in this series uh-huh. and it really helped with their unique perspective on things yeah so i think head hopping can kind of do that and it gives you the characters like unique perspective Mm -hmm. in the case of lily and leo it was helpful for getting to know that they were both like pining away for each other right both thirsty both (laughs) conflicted about how they could reconnect their lives right Uh, so it made me more apt to root for both of them and be more understanding of their hesitations Uh instead of being mad at one character for resisting like yeah come on come on leo just get on board or you know or be mad at lily for not you know, instead I was kind of like, okay, I can see why they're both holding back. Or even if I wanted, you know, like, if only you knew, if only you knew what I know. You right. Know? But it's like, I think if you only have one perspective, just like if you have a friend, like two friends who are going through something, it's like, if you only know one perspective, it's so impossible. Yeah. You can try to envision the other side, but really you're just going to stay loyal to your one friend, you know? Yeah. Oh. That's a great point. What was your other question about male perspective? My other question was, did you think Leo's perspective was indicative of how dudes think? Oh, <laughs> that's right. How dudes think. Does anyone know how dudes think? I mean, <laughs> well, I'm asking you. I mean, I mean, I have a fair number of male friends and they're all, um, they're, the inside of their head is a mystery to me. <laughs> I mean, I know how I think. And so many times talking to my dude friends, I think, am I the only guy who thinks like I do? (laughs) I was just, I was just hanging out with another guy Uh and I was like, man, we talk and we've talked, we're talking for a really long period of time, but I'm like, there always just seems to be guys hold back so much. And so it's like, you just don't even know. You're like, like, are they, are they holding back? Is this really who they are? And and then I just think women should be in charge of everything. Like, no wonder uh, diplomatic relations never work. <laughs> like, you can't get people in a room with guys in a room and have them talk about stuff or where there's a room with any guys are there. So, I like that your conclusion after just talking to one guy is like <laughs> women should rule everything. Yeah, that's yes. how I feel as well. After, <laughs> after every conversation I have with the guy, I'm like, how are they in control of everything? <laughs> how, this, how could this possibly happen? You can barely find your shoes in a room. <laughs> I think, yes, it's, it's Leo could be quite realistic. What I really want to know is if you wrote this book from Terry's perspective. <laughs> Or if, if he sometimes took control, what would be going on in that head? Because people like that, or Bradley for that matter, I'm just like, oh, what? I, I don't know. I don't. Fair enough. But you thought his thoughts and the way he pined for Lily. Did you relate to that at all? Was, did that seem like, oh, this is how I miss someone? I mean, did that like, the extent to which he seemed to kind of hold on to his feelings, think about her, like, did that seem true? I, well, I can't say I related to being his age and having those kind of feelings. So, like that kind of relate. I mean, maybe that's like common in a romance novel where there's two characters and it, they they need to make it so it's not so obvious they're going to end up together. Like, but you know they are, but mm-hmm. it still has to make it difficult. So I can't say I can necessarily relate to that mm-hmm. as someone his age. Like, certainly, you know, when you you have a crush on somebody when you're younger, but that's usually school age. Like, yeah. you know, and that's the closest I could get to that. I guess like is and maybe situations where it, nothing ever happened, you know, and you just get over it. But I mean, I, I definitely, I mean, it doesn't make, I definitely think it could be realistic. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't personally.
closely relate to that. I gotcha. So talking about Leo, he he does definitely defer to Lily. He's very considerate of her in like every respect. He's like, I won't push you into this relationship. I'm going to respect all of your boundaries. You know, if you don't want to be together, that's fine. I get it. Like, how did you feel about that part of it? Would, I mean, does that feel like, yes, that's something that I would just accept? How did you feel? Because that's like, that's new for romance novels, right? Like, we grew up on romance novels where, like, the guy will just, like, consistently, he'll fight for the girl, right? Until, like, it's kind of rapey. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're like, it's a problem. Do you know what I mean? So this is like a new sensibility where like, the guy is like, okay, I'll, I'll back. I, I, I hear what you're saying and I'll back off. Right. Like I'll accept that. Like, this is what you want. Right. Well, I think, <laughs> all right. I think in that way, I relate to Leo a lot of growing up around a lot of not family, but just peers who were just really muscle headed testosterone driven guys and being <laughs> You know, partially because of my upbringing with my own parents and just being like feeling at odds. Like I, I, I didn't feel like I had that. Like I remember watching, you know, like there were always the shows and the guys every Thursday night, they go drink bar beers at the bowling alley. And I'm like, <laughs> will I ever have guy friends like that? Because I just am so annoyed by a lot of guys and how they talk and view, view women. And so like Leo's just sort of whole attitude towards Lily in most regards, I'm like, yeah, I get his character that way. What I don't get his character is about him being sort of just accepting of all the rest of his life being about obligation and right. not caring about any, you know, like, oh, I just take care of my sister. And I mean, I guess I have not been in that kind of situation as him, but at the same time, I'm like, dude, do you have any passions about anything? Right. Like, mm -hmm. I think I would worry that Lily would be like, this guy has no passion about anything other than obligations right. to people, which is admirable. But what does he like? Yeah. Did he like riding horses in the desert southwest? But he just walked away from it and didn't. And he chose to take his vacations with a douchebag instead of taking his vacations in the desert southwest riding horses. Like he could have been doing that and still supported his sister, but instead he spent his vacation skydiving with Bradley. You know, <laughs> like who I hate. And by the way, well, whatever about Bradley, but. Um, <laughs> yes, like for me, I I like that Rio, Leo seems to be much more respectful of, of women. Right. Well, he did have passions. He liked cracking codes. Oh, oh, you know what? I did forget about all that. That's the one part where I'm like, oh man, good thing I'm not trying to to save all this stuff because I would not I would not have done well. Like I wouldn't have been able to help her at all. No. Yeah, solving puzzle like and like oh, obviously it's just this. I've studied all the different possible codes and fake languages there are for, for leaving code. I'm like, uh, no, like how convenient. That would seem very Dan Brown. And some of those things, like at some point I'm like, oh, this, that was a great read once. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. Right. Well, and that in itself is kind of a role reversal, right? Because usually in these kind of action-packed and in Romancing the Stone, right, the guy's purpose in this in this kind of story is the muscle, right? In a different book, he would be saving her from Bradley's minion, like in a physical way. But instead, in this book, he saves her by being smart and being able to crack a code. So that in itself was kind of nice, right? He's not just like kicking butt or <laughs> Or whatever he's actually saving the day with his head yes. and so i thought that was sweet kind of saved this whole action adventure thing <laughs> for me and made it kind of like a more modern take on it so that part i enjoyed and i i did think leo was a nice hero 
I agree. I wish he had more passion. He did just kind of seem to float by in life. Whereas Lily was just kind of fighting all the time, right? Yeah. I felt like Lily had her passions. Now, she might have been screwed by circumstance, yeah. but she had her passions. Where Leo is just like, if they hadn't reconnected, mm -hmm. would he have done anything yeah. other than just worked a job he did care about? Like, what would he have done after his sister was independent? Like, thankfully, he never, we never had, he never had to find out. That would have been maybe a very boring he didn't have any kids to bore to death with his boring existence or a wife to bore to death but like he just would, would have been sad and or maybe he would have found something he was passionate about or gone to work you know it's a some kind of fbi analyst where he could use his code cracking skills to become the next book that my father-in-law will read <laughs> We just, yeah, we just don't know. I feel like he was shut down, right? That was kind of one of the themes that we saw. Like he had, after like Lily, not being with Lily, he had to shut everything down. Maybe that was his, maybe she was his passion, right? And that's very typical of romance novels too. Like the guy doesn't care about anything else but her, right? Which is unrealistic, of course, but sure, that's what everybody wants is their complete focus. Yeah, and now see, his I... passion is just going to one pop, probably getting another sleeping bag, and then two <laughs> doing whatever. Okay, is that is that what women really want though? Because I'll tell you, it's not what men want. Because my married male friends whose wives have no passion. Mm -hmm. outside of their job and family, they really struggle, even though their relationship is strong, because if they have passions, like just an activity, a hobby they want to do, they feel like in their balance, it's like, okay, they never do anything but work mm -hmm. and family. So it's like, yeah. I feel terrible to go, hey, I want to go away on this trip this weekend because there's no balance. Because like, they're never asking yes. to do that, you know, uh -huh. even if their wife is like, oh, I'll do that. So it's like, I think that myth of I want you to be the only thing you care about is me is, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe women care about that but Joan and I have our we have our separate things we have our separate things and we have a lot of our things that are together yeah no I think you're you're exactly right I think in the beginning this is true right but as as you and I know as veterans of relationships at this point like of course of course get the fuck away from me and do something that interests you I can't look at your face anymore <laughs> do something yes of course the fact that you're asking me this is comical because it's the thing I complain about the most <laughs> to every single person I ever see so yes it, realistically women don't want that I don't think <laughs> unless yeah. they also have no passion or interests outside of being with somebody in their life. But that, I think a lot of women don't. And I think a lot of men don't. So no judgments. But I need somebody else to get away from sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes. Good point, Zach. Good point. All right. Last question. After reading this romance, did it change the way you previously thought about romance novels? Hmm. Well, obviously. Because it's not... I did not find this book uncomfortable <laughs> like, like I did pornography. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, all right. I know you're laughing, but it's like that was my perception yeah, of no, romance novel. It was just written porn instead of like mm -hmm. visual porn. And yeah. but and it's silly to I guess think that because I've watched plenty of movies where that where that was not the focus of the movie. But so mm -hmm. it's like yeah. So romance novels seem to me, and because I now have read two, <laughs> that it's the it's the it's the genres that we know and and love, but with a more laser focus on the romance, right? And sex and the tension in sex at some point, but really it's mm -hmm. like that romance. Romance. Yeah. You know, and again, I read that second book you assigned me and whoa, <laughs> <laughs> for a future time. But 
it's like okay of you know a completely different genre yes but again very accessible and, and familiar compared to other books i've read but just with that focus on love and sex and you know especially it seems to me a big thing is that tension mm -hmm. so that you know those eventual scenes like like they're easier to digest i think because you're rooting for the characters right. like yeah to, to not be in tormented at some point like mm -hmm. whereas i don't think in you know to, to compare it to, to pornography like uh -huh. the comparison is is not fair because there's no you're not rooting for anybody like it's just yeah. you know i don't even know why they bother I guess. <laughs> maybe they don't maybe they don't anymore maybe that's not even a thing like maybe it's not even a thing where there's and, and i'm maybe like people who know more about this are laughing at me because i know because they're like oh this guy just like everything he's based on is what other people talk about but it's like i just yeah. assume it's like oh like maybe people make the jokes about like oh the better call the appliance repairman and then like the, <laughs> it, it kicks the baseline and maybe nobody does that maybe nobody makes movies <laughs> like that and i and maybe nobody ever made movies like that and i just thought they did <laughs> but like that was you know my impression is that like it was just stupid filler and i don't know if it was because of some hollywood rule i i, I don't know but either way, these books are not like that. Like they're actually developing characters and yes. caring about characters and getting you to care about characters. Right, exactly, Zach. What a great conclusion to come to. Yes, these are not, they're different from pornography in that this is a story of two people and two characters who are fully developed and that make their, these choices and that most of the time have things in common or shared histories or something, you know what I mean? So like you are rooting for them to get them together which when and yes and for your listeners out there i feel like it's very important for me to point out that my so much of my uncomfortableness about pornography is that it's so hard for me to believe that there is not maybe somebody who is being put in a situation that if you offered them hey i will pay you the same amount of money to stay home today but they wouldn't <laughs> take it whereas in you know what i mean like yeah, no, i just can't believe like I can't believe that, any, you know, it's like, maybe not, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, you know, someone could be like, oh, I would, I would take your money and tell you to shove it and go right back to work for uh -huh. this industry. But in romance, like in, in these novels, like there, no one is getting hurt. There's right. nobody who is. And so, I mean, and, and I realized that when someone's like, how dare you pair the two? I'm like, oh, I know, I know, <laughs> I know that like, there is no harm. Like I don't have some New England Puritan objection to romance novels, even if all they were were sex scenes with filler in between. Uh -huh. I have no objection to it. It's just, it wasn't going to be maybe what I read at the beach. But sure. so I just want, I just want to put that out that I'm not throwing them in a bag of, it's not about a, like, immorality. It was, it's for me with yes. I think we've established that. <laughs> Fair enough. We get it. But yeah, you're right. Probably they'd do something else if they could, right? But let's hope that they like it. I mean, I, on some level, you know, some of those guys are hot. Again, for your listeners, if we do another podcast, it's going to be this other book. Just stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Because so many of the things I couldn't talk about now will be there. The cover alone. The cover alone. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even remember reading that book. But I'll have to. I'll have to read it. Again. You're gonna have to reread. You don't. You don't even have to read. As I told you all, and told my wife, just read the first forty pages. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who are the characters in that one? I've read the whole series, but there's a lot of books. Well, I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Lock Lane. Lock Lane. Yeah. Okay. The werewolf. And and. And Emma or yes. Emma line. Okay. And he cuts yeah. his own leg off. I remember now. There you go. All right, Zach. We're out to the quick categories now. So for you, hottest moment better not be the sleeping bag. It totally not. <laughs> um, and it, I'm glad you came right through this because I just, you know, 
had a long, unnecessary explanation of the difference between romance novels and pornography. So the hottest moment, I thought, I think it's raining. I think it was on a boulder and there's no actual intercourse, but it's the first time that there's anything and it's not just a peck. Like, I don't know if they had like like a, ki- a little kiss. Maybe they didn't. Maybe this is the first time anything happens. Yeah. But I know is, all I know is there was a lot, I mean, a lot of focus on nipples <laughs> and, and maybe both of their nipples. Maybe. Maybe. And since I've only read two romance novels, <laughs> my assumption from reading two romance novels written by women uh-huh. is that women are the prime audience. And since both authors were women, <laughs> I have to guess that women really like reading about nipples and breasts a lot because that seems to be the most common body part to be almost a character in the book. <laughs> Or maybe, maybe it's that breasts are safer than other body parts, but more arousing than like a neck sure. or an ankle, you know? So they're like, ooh, breasts. But like, oh, you, you know, you can almost show, you can practically show them on TV. So they're really not that dangerous. Um, <laughs> but that scene, and I think it was just because it finally happened, but it was also because you didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know how far was this going to go. Right. And it finally, it's just like all that tension just sort of explodes. Yeah. Like, so that to me was like a real, you know, the hot scene. I, yeah, I agree. And they were, because they were having an argument, if I remember beforehand as well. Like she was like, you gotta, we're not doing this and blah, blah, blah. And then it starts raining. And she's like, you don't help me put my tent up. I put my tent up. How dare you offer to help me pitch my tent? I just couldn't believe how fast her breasts came out. Like they just <laughs> flew out. Like amazing. It's like you have you haven't seen her in ten years. You finally get to kiss this woman, and you're like, I've got to get those breasts. Like that's what I'm saying. It's like I think, and maybe, and again, I, I have already said earlier that I think women should be in charge. You know, like we shouldn't be in charge. But is it just something about like like women's clothing? You guys are like just like just get these things free, please. Just get them out. Like they just in these in these two romance novels that I read, they just are constantly out and being described <laughs> by women for I'm assuming women. I guess there, it's just like the first step in making out. We're kissing, that's the neck, the shirt comes off and the breast, right? I mean, like if guys had something interesting under the shirt, that would probably be talked about too, right? I mean, I don't We are so boring. We are really 100%. not interesting at all. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that the most interesting feature of men that I've found in these two romance novels is our jeans, <laughs> which makes me self-conscious that I don't like jeans, but that's another story. But like, I feel like the most interesting feature in for men in both books is how their genes fit them so sure you know what is interesting to me in romance novels is uh and frustrating i have a we can i could talk about clothing in romance novels forever it's a thing that really bugs me and another one of my big complaints is that men are always wearing button fly jeans which have not existed like the 80s and i'm like what are you doing why is this in this book nobody wears button fly jeans I, i they don't exist also, they're stupid. Like, what in the world is happening here? So clothing and romance novels is a thing. I could do a whole entire episode about it. it so I understand. I can't remember the last time I saw button-fly yeah. jeans on anyone. And I also don't understand. I just assume any dude with button-fly jeans accidentally zipped himself up and was scared. And they just 
quite quite exciting. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, all right. The kiss in the rain, obviously a Spider-Man moment. Hot, very good. All right. Sweetest, most romantic moment to you. Okay. This one was harder for me. Uh-huh. Like, it didn't stand out. Like, I actually had to go back and look a little bit. And I, I think it's the last chapter. Okay. So, first of all, <laughs> you're going to laugh, but it made me like Walt better. <laughs> because he's I he's with Nicole. And <laughs> oh, this is funny, now that I'm thinking about it, because I made a note of this. At some point, she reaches for something, probably booze, because that fits Nicole's character. <laughs> and it's like she very intentionally presses her breast into Walt's arm to which makes Walt have like a nerd boy freak out, you know, in his eyes or something, you know, like, so Nicole is going to toughen Walt up Mm -hmm. or she's just going to stab anybody who comes anywhere near him and and it'll work out just fine. Okay. It's going to turn the table on the, Oh, the tough guy with the, the lily white skin lady. Like, no, Walt's got the lily white skin and super sun tanned Nicole is just going to cut anybody who comes near him. Yes. Those um, roles have definitely been reversed in this, right? The same with Will. Yeah and, I, yeah. and because of that, I actually really believe those two characters get together. And so I'm, and I'm glad we can have Lily and Leo comfortable with each other and happy. And also the letter from her dad, like that kind of thing, like, yeah. like kind of got me, like it gets me. So I think that is actually sweeter and than anything of the, the, living people's relationships yes. and it's and it redeems her father's character yes. which had been maligned the whole book mm-hmm. so really her mother is the one who's like in this yeah. in, in in her upbringing her dad it's yet again another example of crappy acceptance of modern technology <laughs> he assumes that his stupid coded nail letter is going to be enough to not he doesn't expect it to take her like one for him to be dead and two, for him to her not figure out for 10 years after she's thinking that her father didn't care about anything she cared about. So yeah. I like the last chapter for being sweetest. Maybe not as romantic, but sweet. And also that Leo and Lily are finally comfortable together. Mm-hmm. And that is this budding romance in Walt and Nicole that they had telegraphed earlier in the book. Mm-hmm. I agree. That is a sweet moment. I was glad that her father was redeemed at the end. And you realize that like ultimately his story, his personal story is just very sad and depressing right so yeah that was good all right good choice uh biggest objection overall in this book i feel like this is gonna be a walt based but go ahead nope no 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 i've been saving this (laughs) my biggest objection there's no way they would have taken (laughs) they would have taken that big dumb idiot terry along with them (laughs) it's just not believable that he could be connected to that friend circle at all (laughs) <laughs> Again, I, I already I like have a problem with Bradley as being a douchebag, but I just don't believe that. I know it's part of his secret plan to betray his own friend and everything. Right. But I'm just kind of like, okay, we got Walt. I'm like, I just think, imagine showing up at the airport and like, hey, I brought my racist, misogynistic, <laughs> misogynistic, horrible, terrible person. I'd be like... <laughs> Walt might have been scared to death, but it would have been me. And I relate like a little bit to Leo more than like Walt in this example. I definitely don't relate to Bradley and Terry. I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I will eat the $350 plane ticket. I'm not going on vacation with Terry. <laughs> like who every time he opens his mouth reaffirms why I will not go on vacation with Terry. So my biggest objection is that, again, when you talk about this, Terry didn't have to die because Terry didn't have to exist. Yeah. It's better for Bradley, who yeah. you don't, who I did not see coming to betray the group, than for Terry to be able to distract you from Bradley. Yeah. I just don't, that part I just don't, I didn't believe at all. 
Yeah. I mean, now that you've said it, I mean, it does make more sense. I think that they just wanted to kill Terry. Can I be, I think that they just wanted to be able to kill somebody like Terry. I think. I love how much his death just tortures you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that these women have met a Terry and wanted to kill him fictionally in a way that they can't do it in real life. And they saw an opportunity. They took it. And on some level, I respect it. You're right. I mean, he didn't need to. I'm not pro-death penalty, Tara, but I believe Terry should die. <laughs> because he's just a, a terrible fictional creation. <laughs> like, he was a mistake. They should have killed him just because it's like, we wrote this as a serial, and now we can't, we've already published the first three chapters. We can't get rid of him, so we should just kill him. Like, he was a mistake. <laughs> but listen, you've met a Terry, and I have met a Terry. I mean, there are so many Terrys, you know, so I get it. And they all should die, honestly. So, all right, good job. Most relatable moment. Okay, so... <sighs> I was going to say, the most relatable moment is all of Leo's guilt about the past uh, okay. um, and how he's so hesitant at times to push for what he wants. Like, that he wants Lily, but he doesn't want to push her. I relate to Leo not wanting to push for what he wants because he worries that by pushing for what he wants, he's pushing Lily. He's selfishly going to push her for what she doesn't want. So anytime that where he's like conflicted about that. Yeah, right. That's cool. Yeah, I think that that's interesting that in these, and I think that's what romance does best, right? These intricate moments between two people where they genuinely care about each other and want what's best for each other and how that conflicts with what they want, right? And so, yeah, I think that's fun. I mean, not fun, but I get it. All right. Yeah, like I, I just don't, I mean, I respect that he's not pushy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's refreshing in some ways that he's, he's not justifying trying to satisfy his wants for life even. You know, mm-hmm. more than just even the sexual one, but his wants for life by just ignoring what is important to Lily. So. Right. And it allows him to know, as women often want to know, is that he wants her to make the decision. And he also wants to know that she wants him not because of circumstance or that she truly wants to be with him. And what is it worth, really, if you pushed her into the situation? Like, you're not sure of her feeling. Like, he's not sure of her feelings then either and so that's a theme in in romance novels like women want men to be a hundred percent sure of them but they know for sure that they're into them and so on the other side men would like to know that too and it seems like that's what in this moment we was saying like i don't i this is what i want but i don't want it if i don't know that you a hundred percent want me right does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's easier to swallow because of head swapping. Right. So, yeah, the head swapping, because you can see both perspectives. It's helpful mm-hmm. to accept it because you know, okay, they both are having concerns, but they both are feeling something. Like, it's not just, oh, why won't they just love me? Or, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like, they're both having similar feelings. Yes, and I think that one of the things we talked about this is that these you guys seem to like the first person where it's all in the female's point of view, and I don't. And it's because of that, right? Because I want to know what the thoughts are going on in, in each person's head. So, cool. Um, so, biggest lie or misconception about men you found in this, in this <laughs> book? <laughs> Great question. Um, I'm not sure that there's much she gets wrong since she gives us um, Leo, Bradley, Walt, Terry, dumbass number one and dumbass number two. Uh-huh. 
But I don't even know if they, they had names. I don't remember either. To explore so many kind, different kinds of guys. Um, <laughs> I guess the biggest lie here is that these four dudes could possibly be friends hanging out together. I know I kind of came in, but in my experience, adult men. Uh-huh. Maybe college is totally different. You're like, hey, you're a dude. Let's 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 go get some beers. But in my experience, <laughs> men don't gravitate towards guys who are so different from them, especially in how they live their lives, especially how they think and talk about other people, yeah. especially women in this case of the book. Uh-huh. And, but more importantly, like how they feel they should care about how their actions affect other people. Right. And I, do women sacrifice their values to keep friends? These four do. It just makes me think, man, these women just see, again, that dudes are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> And they shouldn't be in charge because they'd be like, hey, you like scotch. I like scotch. Let's hang out. Like, it doesn't matter what comes out of your mouth. Well, but listen, I, um, I do as a, I've had friends that I had in middle school, right? That where I still have them, but are we extremely different people? Of course. But I am, I think I am less rigid than you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that I tend to go, I just tend to do whatever. So, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm a Walt in this respect, I guess. Ah, Walt. Poor old Walt. I feel bad for maligning Walt. How can I malign Walt when there's a Terry? <laughs> exactly. That good grief. But anyway, all right, that's fine. But I, I hear you. I mean, but I do think that it's, it wasn't outside the realm. Like these were just college, like you said, dudes that met in college. They, I mean, they don't seem to have, like Leo in particular, doesn't seem to have any other friends, adult friends that he's met, right? So, no, or anything that he cares yeah. about. So like if, these guys want to go on some sort of trip every once every year that seems like maybe that's just the thing that he kind of did because he didn't have anything else going we don't know Walt's story but fair enough and that's it no other misconceptions about men that was like your biggest one just like adult men wouldn't waste their time with this yeah that that was really it that's impressive. Yeah. No, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think they got it that wrong. In fact, I found Leo's character better written. At least I related to Leo more than I've related to men written by men. Oh, okay. You know, I'm like, except that his lack of passion for things. But I mean, just how Leo approaches women, I found much more refreshing than male authors in science fiction and fantasy. And Speaking of this, let me ask you a question. Do you think when you, and of course it's different for every novel and different genres or whatever, but there is an element when you read men writing about women that is fan, like a fantasy. You know what I mean? Like they're not writing realistic women and they're not writing realistically how they would act in real life. They're writing oftentimes how they think they should act or how they think women would want them to act, right? Does that make sense? And so whereas yes. on the opposite side, you have women just kind of writing like normal men who are nice and respectful, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so like yeah. what is it that men kind of feel like they have there's all this pomp and brashness that women seem to women want in men when all women really are writing in these romance novels is just dudes who will like pay attention to them take out the trash sometimes buy some gifts every once in a while i guess that's part of this whole thing why like what's up i guess is what i don't know i mean <laughs> what makes what makes a man think they should invade a country when they're they already are in control of like a billion square miles <laughs> what makes a, a man lion decide to kill a whole bunch of other lions because he, all he wants all the lions to be his lions like i'm telling you man testosterone is the worst drug nature ever came up with 
It's like it makes some sickness. That's why I think men can't write as realistically because they're like, oh no, reality. No, I, I, this is what people really want. They want propaganda. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. Last one. Most annoying moment to you. All right. Honestly, uh-huh. I think it's when they finally have intercourse. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So there's a joke about ribbed condoms, ribbed for her pleasure. Uh-huh. And there's these interruptions for him to supposedly be thinking about he never stopped loving her. And right. I just found it lame. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> you have all this sexual tension and buildup, okay? And again, that's why I thought the hottest moment was in the rain on the boulder. Yeah. Because when they get to there, like, they're not thinking about flashing back to 10 years ago and making some cheesy uncomfortable comment they've already dry humped in a sleeping bag do they need to make condom jokes to diffuse the tension they've already released the tension like it's almost i I don't i just found it lame he had miles and miles of trail to think about (laughs) these things and i think that moment would have been more primal and less deep like and i don't think lily needs him to be thinking thoughts of lost love rekindled at this point (laughs) it's enough that he loves her just like say i love you and focus on what she wants right now which is not bad condom jokes (laughs) or to know about 10 years ago it's like as my new england friend would say the funny business like just focus (laughs) on the funny business so I thought that was like the worst scene. I mean, all the Terry crap aside, but like the worst, the most annoying scene to me. I was like, this is my first romance novel. No one has had clinical sex at this point. Like, what will it be like? Oh, and here he is making, they're making condom jokes. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, really? Condom jokes this are is... always stupid. You always come across, usually it's Magnum, you know, I hope the hope the Magnum, or like the rib. It's just so old. I feel like it kind of ages it. It just felt like when there's really obvious product placement in like a show or movie where he's man this coca-cola is very refreshing it's like did the condom did somebody give them a donation be like hey we want you to promote safe sex and condoms like when they're in the desert here and they've got sand in their vagina like we don't and cactus like quills up their ass we don't we don't want them to forget about safe sex so can you please make sure you make it obvious to the readers that condoms are involved? You're like, yes, we will do that. How can we do that in a way that doesn't seem like we're promoting Coca-Cola or Trojan? Like, we, we will make a condom joke. I don't know. I guess it's hard to make condoms sound sexy in a romance novel, so you got to make a bad joke. But, I mean, I was appreciative of the fact that they didn't lose their head. Like, mm-hmm. Well, condoms are like a contentious thing. Like, not contentious, but there's like a faction of self-published romance novels where, like, people don't want to wear use condoms and romance stuff and like people have real issues with it right in most mass market or traditionally published romance novels you're always going to see people wearing condoms right because it's irresponsible not to wear a condom so i can see i guess now that we're talking about this i understand christina lauren's like how do we do this in like a funny way we have to wear this condom we have to show that they're using a condom so this is the funny way we're gonna do it and, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> but wasn't it enough that they were using Terry's condoms? <laughs> I mean, they were using Terry's condoms. Maybe that was, was the entire already... reason he existed and had to die. So that they could get condoms. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was bad enough they were using Terry's condoms. I wouldn't trust those condoms. No. They probably put Because who's having sex with Terry? Like, well, yeah, gross. But like... <laughs> 
That's what I'm saying is it would have been almost, I guess you couldn't have this romance novel where they never actually had intercourse, but it would have almost been better if they had been like, I guess I just didn't care about the intercourse. Like, the best scene was not that one, but that scene, just the rib for her pleasure joke. I'm like, good God, is this really 2022? We're making this joke still? <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's all for the quick categories. Last question, Zach. So after reading, this is your first romance novel. After reading this romance novel, now we already know that you started on the second one, so it's kind of an unfair question. But do you see yourself outside of this experiment that I'm making you do? Do you feel as this piqued your interest in the genre overall? Like, do you have questions overall about the genre? Oh, 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 yeah. Because again, I almost because I accidentally I had forgotten that I put a hold on the book when I was initially trying to see what books I could of the list I could get, and so it showed up with a bag of kids books <laughs> from the library and I, and I said I finished it today yeah, and incredible. then I started thinking like okay there's this fantasy book that I, I don't know if it, you know sometimes there's a wait for this series I was able to get rid of it, it wasn't I was going to jump to the next book on your list so I was already like well yeah I'm gonna keep going because why not like, but I picked three plus a backup if you there was a book I thought oh no guy's gonna pick this book so which one you was know, that? In the spirit, I don't know. It was the description was crazy. I sent it to you, Tara. I said if if nobody would read this book, I would pick this book because just if you're like, man, I wish somebody would pick this book. It's like I'll do it. Like you know, I'll beat Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beat Matt in this challenge. Like I'll be the best podcast guest. I'll read a book that other guys are run away from, afraid to pick. I'll pick it. Wallbanger. Wallbanger. That's right. Because it was like, it was the only one that seemed, oh, hey, <laughs> this book is about one thing. <laughs> I think you'd like that book. I think you would like it. It's funny. It's like legitimately funny. So, I mean, it did sound, it sounded very funny. All right. So great. You've already read the second one. That's amazing. So was this experience what you expected overall? When you were sitting by that campfire reading your grandmother's <laughs> books out loud, and did she like it? Did your grandmother like this book? Oh, well, so first of all, literally my friend grabbed this book and read like three quarters of a page. It wasn't like we sat around reading yeah. that book. We didn't give it a chance. It was he flipped it open and happened to see a word jumped out at him that was like, whoa, and started reading yeah, that page. That was the yeah. whole, my whole exposure. Uh -huh. Sorry, what was your the second part of that question? I, I, well, first of all, I'm interested in if your grandmother liked this book. Oh, oh, she was, <laughs> I don't know, I'm assuming she's finished it because she reads reads and knits that's pretty much what you know she's doing a lot of these days and when i saw her and we talked about it she was like oh this book is good <laughs> like i was like what have you been reading like she was like impressed so if you want to start creating a list that my grandmother should read uh -huh. i feel like she just tears through books yeah. on her kindle she has so uh, she had the Kindles with the buttons. I don't know if you ever had yeah. a Kindle with a button. Okay. My mom was, oh, your grandmother is wear like wears out the buttons, <laughs> and they have to keep replacing them because the warranty. She read so many books. She was just click click click. She was wearing out the buttons. Wow. So I feel like she's just tearing through these books <laughs> and doesn't even know that she read them or remembers them. Yeah. So, but she said to me, she's like, this book is good, and I and I bet you half of it is because they dropped Terry off a cliff. <laughs> Everything that you were like, well, this is not done in romance novels. I think she was probably like, oh, yes, this is memorable. <laughs> That's amazing. 
I'll be happy to make her a list. Give me some parameters. But that's awesome. I'm glad that she enjoyed something wilder as well. That's nice. I'm glad you enjoyed it, Zach, or it seems to. Yeah. I mean, you. Oh, yeah, no. It was fun. It was totally a fun read and changed my perception of romance novels for sure. I mean, I've read two now. Yeah. Two. Well, okay. We'll talk about which one you like better next time. But they're two very different novels, right? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Anything else that you want to say about something wilder, about Walt, about Terry, about sex and sleeping bags that's going to haunt me until the end of my days? There's no way they could have fit. There's just no way. <laughs> like, if there's, I will say that if there's anything about adventuring and camping that disturbed you in this book, uh-huh. don't rule it out. I don't know that the authors necessarily know very much about camping, <laughs> which I forgive them. I will say you are a guy who's afraid of romance novels. Uh If you only read nonfiction, fine. Maybe you won't like romance novels. But if you read fiction, I think that you should read fiction. And you have ever been attracted to anything or anybody, any person in your life. Okay, Again, if you are totally asexual... Yes, then maybe you don't give a damn about romance novels. But if you are like been attracted to somebody, then you might find romance novels enjoyable. You should give them a chance because they are remarkably, at least something wilder, is remarkably similar in writing style to many books that are not considered romances. Interesting. So to like Clive Cussler, you said. Yes, to Clive Cussler. Uh, I wish I could remember one of the authors that I have read. One and seven eighths of a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> but by another author. Look, the, the loan ended and it was so boring by the last hundred pages that I didn't bother to renew it. I was like, I don't care what happens. But I had read the other two books completely in this trilogy. But all I say is like they were like, maybe if they had had the romance, I would have been more interested. It's just, I didn't care if they saved the world at this point. I was like, I know they're going to save the world. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. And we'll see how your uh, opinion of romance further evolves as we go on. All right. Well, Zach, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for reading. Thank you so much for doing this. It was awesome. I hope you had fun too. So much fun. (laughs) Awesome. And we are not drunk at all. It's totally totally fine. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, there's only one more thing left to do. Zach, tell me that you love romance. Oh, I love romance. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's very very convincing. (laughs) Thank you. 